you ever wonder why you have no problem housing half a pizza, but uh, if you try to eat two or three vegetables, you can't do it? Or why you uh, crave a pint of ice cream at the end of the night and you're not craving carrots and uh, almond butter? Well, today's conversation is likely for you. Uh, we talk to Carol Galanti, who is my new nutritionist. And we talk about kind of what motivated me to see Carol, uh, how I'm going to get rid of this fat on my stomach that I can't seem to shake, why I should be more concerned about the health conditions underlying that fat than the actual uh, aesthetics of it, and what tips you can use to employ in your life right now to change your diet. Uh, Carol is very knowledgeable. She shares her personal story about how she came to nutrition. And I think you'll appreciate these tips, especially in this new year when we're all trying to get a little more fit. So uh, enjoy and uh, thank you. Carol Galanti, how are you? I'm good, Gary. How are you? Doing pretty well. Um, so for those folks who are tuning into the Soul Pod for the first time, uh, They'll, they'll understand that I actually initially the first few episodes of this series, I'm showcasing and highlighting people in my life that I've come in contact with that are um, that I've engaged to kind of help me along my process to develop myself physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, any way possible, any help I can get. Um, and so Carol is somebody who came highly recommended from friends of mine at the gym that I've worked out at. The gym is actually an excellent gym. I've talked about it before in the podcast. And I think we, we actually highlighted my trainer in the trailer of the podcast. His name is Mark Cerruti. The gym is called The Trainer Page. It's owned by Nick Page. And uh, I, I view it as a big, big part of my daily practice. It's, it's something that I need to do. It's not just I don't exercise only to be strong, which is great or to get healthy physically. I do it for the mental regiment of it. I do it for the mental challenge of it. Um, and so what I found was that while I now have this great new regimen and practice to, to work out at this gym and I get to work out with a trainer and it's really, you know, the accountability is there. And so that's, that's wonderful because my whole trouble with working out has been accountability my whole life. So anytime I've made gains, I've noticed that it's because I had to engage a trainer and it just paid for me to do that. Um, I decided the payoff is worth it. And the same goes for nutrition. I mean, I've tried diets in the past uh, and they're diets, right? So I've tried, you know, keto. I've tried intermittent fasting. I've tried no carbs, low carbs. I've tried whole foods diets. I've tried uh, juice cleanses. I've tried all sorts of things. Now, Particularly though, where I'm coming from when I'm trying it, usually, and this is something Carol, you and I discussed already, I'm motivated by the aesthetic component of it. I'm not always thinking about the health component of it. I know that I'm eating poorly uh, when I'm not thinking a lot, not being mindful, but even that not feeling well is not, is not enough to motivate me to kind of go to the next level. It actually, sadly, or just truthfully, is the fact that I've got a round tire around my stomach, even though I try to work my ass off in the gym. And it just, it's, it's, it's wonderful that I'm now seeing it because I am working out a lot and I am being kind of um, consistent with it. And so it's, it's obvious that if there's this one thing nagging you, you're going to want to resolve it. But I just wish I would have come to uh, nutritional 
you know, thinking about my nutrition more from a holistic place, more from a health place. And I'll be honest, that's not what's motivated me, but in talking with you, it's kind of reminded me all, I used to do a lot of research on this and it's reminded me that belly fat could in fact be visceral fat. And it could be all sorts of health implications. So, so that's kind of how and why I was motivated to get connected to Carol. Um, and then Carol and I kind of had our first consult where we discussed sort of what the goals were. That's where Carol reminded me that really, you know, the, the, the health component of it should be kind of leading the charge when you're thinking about nutrition. And it's so true. Um, and so Carol designed me an awesome meal plan. And we kind of talked about some of the pitfalls that, you know, we can anticipate, uh, you know, in, in sort of moving forward with a plan. And we're trying to kind of plan for the pitfalls. Um, but that's kind of where we stand right now. And I've let Carol know kind of what all my weak points are. So hopefully we can continue to make progress. It's been two weeks now. So typical New Year's uh, resolution cliche, get my nutrition on, right? But it's working out so far. And um, Carol, welcome to the show. Thank you, Gary. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And great to work with you on hitting your goals. The, I agree. The gym is great and accountability and support is key when you're trying to make any kind of lifestyle changes. What would you say if, if uh, speaking of that, so if you were to kind of break down when people engage you from the nutritional, because you do a bunch of things, obviously you're a chef, um, you, you practice yoga, you practice mindfulness, there's, there's a variety of different services that you offer and different from your background. But when people engage you specifically about nutrition, do you find that what's the number one impediment to somebody achieving their goals? Is it that they don't have knowledge? Is it that they don't have proper motivation to kind of get beyond their will, uh, their willpower resistance? Like what exactly is it for you? Well, I think it depends on the person. Absolutely. Because people definitely have different impediments. For some people, it's just complete confusion over what healthy actually means, because there is a lot of conflicting advice out there. And so they don't, they get overwhelmed and they don't know where to start. So they just say, forget it. They, they think it's going to be too hard. I think that is probably a common theme amongst everybody. They think it's just going to be this really hard. It's going to be a, a deprivation and they're going to be miserable. And it's not that at all. Um, but that, that is definitely something that I think um, prevents people from wanting to get started because either they don't know where to begin or they're just approaching it. That's going to be a difficult difficult task and they're going to fail at it. Yeah, that makes sense. And, um, I guess, so, so how many people would you say come to you without that impediment and they're just looking to have something, a system created for them? Is that, is that a minority? Would you say? No, it just depends on the person. And that's why I like to have a conversation with somebody ahead of time because everybody reacts to life in different ways, right? Some people, like to have an accountability partner who's going to hold them and say, okay, I want you to do X, Y, and Z, and they're going to come back and report to you. And they're going to do very well on that type of a regimen. Other people are going to, they want more of just um, guidelines and saying, you know, like, I'm just like, point me in the right direction. And some people um, really can only commit to a very small change at a time. So, so, so someone who is more motivated and who has a certain level of knowledge 
I may be able to direct them to make a couple of different changes at once. But somebody who is really hesitant and new to this may have to start out in baby steps and just say, okay, commit to this one change over the next couple of weeks and see how you do. And I always try to focus on the positive, adding things in rather than taking things away. So if you go to somebody who's hesitant and really unsure, they want to make change, but they think you're going to take away all their favorite foods. And we are very emotionally attached to our foods. We have a lot of childhood patterns and people get very defensive. And they think you're just going to take away all that stuff that I love. And so someone like that, you're going to approach it with, okay, let's just focus on what can we add into your life that over the next week or two, that's going to, you know, be a new healthy habit. And because I want to approach this from a place of sustainability, you know, we're not going on a crash diet. Um, Yeah, you can go on a crash diet and lose some weight in a month, but guess what, you know, next month, you're just going to go back to your old ways and you're going to gain it right back. Um, I'm definitely more about long lasting change and just adding new positive habits into people's lives that they're going to stick with. So the weight loss, if somebody's coming for weight loss, it may be a little slower with that approach, but it's going to stay off and it's going to be, you're going to be changing your, your patterns, changing your daily routine and creating lifestyle habits that are going to be better for your overall health. And yeah, the, the, the side effect is, yes, you do get to your optimal weight eventually and you look better, but it, the real benefit is feeling better and having good overall health. So let's talk a bit about um, what got you started. How did you end up in why nutrition? Why is this what you do with your life at this point? Well, I came about this because I grew up as uh, with no knowledge at all about nutrition. I was a junk food junkie. I survived on sugar in any possible form. I mean, as a kid, a common breakfast for me would be cheese whiz on white wonder bread with Nestle hot chocolate. (laughs) I was like, and then devil dogs after school and, you know, any kind of sugar that I could get my hands on. I hated vegetables. I would literally throw them under the table under my brother's chair so that he would get in trouble for it after dinner. (laughs) So I grew up that way, but I was always super thin. And so I got away with it. My parents and the doctors at, at the time, anyway, that the people we went to, they were, So they wanted me to put on weight. So they were lacking the mindset or the awareness about the quality of what I was putting into my body. But I could sit there and my mother was like, here, have ice cream, have whatever. Like you need to put some weight on. You're so skinny. So I was just eating things that that were devoid of nutrients, but that tasted good. And I never gained an ounce. So I could sit there and down a pint of Ben and Jerry's and be quite happy. And I had energy. I was an athlete. I was, you know, I looked the part of health. It wasn't until later on, um, I was in my early thirties. I had three little kids at home and I had a page long list of health symptoms, health issues that I just didn't know what was wrong with me. I was losing clumps of hair. I had no energy. I would fall asleep in the middle of the day. I couldn't get through a day. I'd have toddlers running around and I had to lay down and take a nap. And my mood, my blood sugar was all over the place with mood swings and irritability. I always had um, so many, so many different things. And it all came to a head one day. I was out playing tennis um, and just passed out cold on the tennis court. And so the director of the gym came over and he's like, we called an ambulance and I will cancel it, but you have to go straight to a doctor. You have to promise me you'll go straight to a doctor. And so I did. And so that started me down this path of trying to figure out what was wrong with me. I was bounced around from doctor to doctor. Long story short, I found out by changing my diet over within three weeks, all of those symptoms had gone away and I felt like a different person. And that was just from diet alone. And I, to me, that it was a light bulb moment because I had just no education or awareness about how important 
the food that I put into my body, how it affected my overall health. I just thought it was about, you know, weight, you know, the people who had a lot of weight on them, they had to avoid the sugar and the junk. So I, it was, it sparked me down this whole path of, I wanted to learn more. I started to, I enrolled in school for nutrition. I went to the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, became a health coach. And then I was working with coaching people. And then um, I was always drawn more to the food end of things. And I didn't really know how to cook myself. So I was very self-taught. So eventually I was teaching cooking classes at home to kids and adults. And then I decided to enroll in a culinary program that focused on health supportive cooking. And so it just, it just led me down this path that I've been on for the past 20 years. Going back to your origin story, I just want to kind of, because people hear these stories very often and I'm one of them and I'm, uh, people know from previous episodes, I've de- I've, I'm a self-described skeptic, right? So I'm, I'm very open-minded, but I'm also, you know, I also kind of look at things through a really analytical lens. And I, I love the idea of being able to transform in a moment or like finding that one thing that does it. But in my experience, when people hear things like, I changed my diet and then three weeks later, everything changed, right? Can you just... Because that's, that's, I believe it. I mean, I believe it's possible for sure, of course. Can you kind of explain what exact, so did the doctor tell you you need to change your diet or is it something you decided at that point? And then can you also explain what exactly changed for you? How, how do you know it was the diet that did it? Sure. So at the time I was in a state of confusion because I just didn't, I didn't know what was wrong with me. I was starting to think I was like dying or something. Um, and I was getting bounced around from doctor to doctor and this is not, you know, doctors are great. I'm not saying anything negative about doctors, but I would go to one doctor and they would, you know, say like, okay, well, this looks fine, you know, go to, and I, if I would complain about a certain symptom, they would say, well, you go see a specialist about that. So I was seeing a few different doctors, but not getting the answers that I wanted. I was still confused. I was trying at one point. So I finally got a a diagnosis. I had a severe case of hypoglycemia. And so they sent me to see a nutritionist and I had an appointment with her. And so then now I'm having the awareness that this is about what I'm eating. Um, Had an appointment with her. I just, I'm a self, I'm I'm like a bookworm. So I went to the library. This is before, you know, this is going back a ways before the, the cell phones. Went to the library, took out every book I could on nutrition. And I just dove in and I, I think I came home with like nine books And I just started experimenting with myself and I changed, I literally changed my diet overnight. So that's why I know because I'm kind of like an all in or, or nothing person. That's why I know it was the diet. I went from eating like bagels and pasta and ice cream and sugar. And, you know, maybe one little salad at dinner or something thinking that was healthy to like, I completely went on the other end. I was just eating like raw veggies, totally like raw vegan and all this stuff. And at first I started feeling sick because it was such a drastic change to my body. I was like super bloated. I was super constipated. I'm like, great. Now I've got like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm eating healthy stuff. Why am I feeling sick? It took about two or three weeks for my body to adjust to the drastic change that I made. And then it was just like all the stuff that I had been complaining about, complaining about health-wise was the way I was feeling. Anyway, I hadn't had blood work done at this point, you know, follow-up blood work or anything. This was just judging it by how I was feeling. My energy was great. I wasn't having those slumps anymore. Um, I just, I wasn't having like irritability. I had, I just felt great. I felt like a different person. So I was still being followed up. They had me seeing a hematologist oncologist for like six months. And I remember the doctor at one point I went in for my follow-up and he was just like, he's, he's looking at me and I was like, don't worry, I have it under control. I've, you know, I've, I feel much better. And he was just like, he's looking at my chart and he's looking at me and then he's like, well, wait a minute. What about all these things that you were complaining about last time? And he's going through the list. I'm like, 
I, I just knew intuitively that I was okay. So he, at the end of the appointment, he's like, look, I can't let you leave this office. You've got three little kids at home. Like, so he scheduled a full body CAT scan for me. And I, I remember like I had to go to the hospital to get this full body CAT scan. I walk in in my tennis dress and the guys are like, they're looking at my charts. They're looking at me and they're like, I, you know, we have to ask you, why are you here? <laughs> because yeah. I just, I felt and looked really healthy. And, you know, the the doctor just wanted to make sure he wasn't missing anything. I was a young mother and he was just like, I just, I, for peace of mind, please go get this test done. And that was it. And it was, um, that, that was what, why I knew the diet had so much, you know, change. And then of course, over time, I layered in different things, yoga and meditation and all these other different things. But the diet is, has always been for me foundational when working with people, because you can make a profound difference on the way you feel. It's not about, it's not always about weight. It's, you know, your, your inner health, how you feel, your mental health, your emotional health, everything. And so for the West, for the scientists out there, so beyond just feeling better, right? Which, which I think is almost everything. What was, did you receive medical confirmation also that a lot of these, these, like the hyperglycemia, did that get better from, you know, did, were there improvements that were just, that were diagnosed that were then determined, oh yeah, there is improvements here. Or was it just a sense that you had? Well, I mean, I probably should have followed up more with doctors to get, you know, my blood work done a little more regularly, but yes, that, that hypoglycemia went away. I mean, I was, if I had continued on the path I was, I'm sure I would have been, you know, getting diabetes or anything else. Like if that wasn't brought into check, but yeah, yeah the, it's, you know, my blood work has since been much better. <laughs> glad to hear that. Yeah. And, and it, it makes sense. I mean, I've, I've, my, uh, my nutritional research really only comes through internet research and, and documentaries, right? Um, which I think, you know, you can get a lot from that. But um, so a lot of what I've read in the past discusses, and it's really, really obvious, right? Really logical. Our, our bodies were never conditioned to make hyper sugarized items that were super processed that have all these uh, the taste that is on a level that our palate couldn't even register like 50, 60 years ago. Um, to then consume this and then assume that this synthetic stuff that we've been putting in our body for decades at a t- you know, time, some people, uh, with no real awareness about it, that it's, that it's not going to have severe deleterial effects on our health. Like if it, it's just, it's obvious that it's going to have to, it's crazy that this stuff's still being mass produced and sold and nobody even thinks twice about it because it's just so readily abundant because they've built such a lobby around these things. There's such an economy around this stuff that, you know, now it's sadly with government subsidies on grains and everything else, this stuff becomes cheaper, which is crazy. Like it's more affordable to buy a a Big Mac than it is to go out and like make yourself something. Well, I shouldn't say that, but you know, it's easier slash convenient slash cheap to just get a prepared meal that's really bad for you when you'd think that all the processes involved and getting it to that point would actually should actually make it cost more. But these companies have done such a good job in understanding distribution and mass production that they've gotten it down to a science of how they can deliver it really affordably. And it's just it's crazy. Like we're actually killing people with this with this cheaply available mass produced synthetic food that we and myself by the way. Like I'm not I'm no I'm not innocent here. I grew up on fast food. Um, I, later on in life, I was fortunate enough to gain some awareness around it that I needed to change my diet and find and see fast food for what it was. But growing up, I was just like, this is convenient. You know, I'm going to go for that. Tastes great. It's convenient. 
I was always skinny. I always had a high uh, metabolism and I didn't feel any effects from it. I was very athletic. I always played a lot of sports. No issues ever until, you know, you get to your 30s and all of a sudden the metabolism starts to slow. All the, the, the years and years of putting poor quality nutritional elements into your body, synthetic chemicals start to take a toll. And then all of a sudden you start to see it. You start to feel it. I can relate to, to the idea of, um, some people know I've told the story where, uh, last, last, sorry, a year and a half ago, I was out for a run and I collapsed and, um, uh, I was taken to the hospital and they thought it was dehydration because it was a hot day. Uh, I'd run a few miles, which for me is not a lot at the time I'd been conditioning. I was running for training for a marathon. Um, and I just didn't know what happened. So I thought, oh, okay, I had dehydration and um, went to the hospital. They treated me for dehydration, got sent home. I had severely bad physical symptoms, headaches, all sorts of stuff. Uh, ended up back in the hospital four days later. Um, they ran CAT scans on me, MRIs, all sorts of stuff. Still couldn't figure it out. Um, they just said, you know, it's probably still the effects of the dehydration or something. Another week or two goes by. I'm having severe heart palpitations. I can't really breathe. I have a severe headache. Um, I'm getting tested for COVID every other time I'm there. So I got like 14 tests for COVID. It's not COVID. And uh, I ended up back in the hospital, a different hospital this time. They run all sorts of heart tests on me. I go to a cardiologist and I go to an endocrinologist and I go to a neurologist. And then I went to, uh, I went to, I saw probably seven primary care physicians at a time. Then I went back a fourth time to the to the hospital, um, where again, all each of these times, I'm I'm actually thinking that I'm dying. To be honest with you, that's what it felt like. Uh, I, it, at points, I couldn't speak. That's how severe the symptoms were. I actually couldn't get words out. So um, fortunately, we kind of arrived at a conclusion that this was uh, considered to be panic disorder, which is something that's hereditary, and uh, a couple of different medicines works. So we started with the benzo and I didn't want to be on that. And then we ended up on, of all things, an SSRI, Lexapro, which actually treats panic disorder. Um, and that ended up kind of resolving it, but I it was resolving the symptoms. Now I don't like medicine and I don't like that I'm on it, but it's been excellent. It's been kind of let me, you know, kind of do what I had to do for the last year and a half when I thought that I wouldn't even be able to, to run another day. So honestly, to live another day, I thought I was dying. Um, it's scary, right? When you're in that moment and you're that scared, like for you, I'd imagine if, having been in that moment myself, looking at the hospital ceiling, scared, thinking I'm going to die and what a shame it is that I had so much more to do and that I'm not going to be around any loved ones that here it is, this is my last few breaths, genuinely believing that. And obviously that's the moment where you're going to shift like things, whatever it is you're going to do that is going to change the situation. It's going to be so impactful and you know, it makes sense to me that you had that kind of aha moment and then you decided, well, this changed my life. This allowed me to live. This is sort of the, the conduit for what's kind of changed everything for me. I'm going to dedicate my life to it. That makes a ton of sense. Um, yeah. So I can just relate to that. And let me, I mean, it, 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 it may, so on that note, when you, so you decided to, to make it your career, do you think about when you're talking to people, like when you talk to people like me who came to you for the first time, and they're coming to you because they have, you know, aesthetic issues or they're, they're looking at appearance issues. Some people probably come to you for health issues and they know that they have health issues. Um, are you reflecting back on your story and sort of what got you into nutrition and how transformational nutrition can be when you're giving this advice to people? Well, absolutely. Because I feel like um, it's relatable. I think we've all been there, you know, like 
we've all had that aha moment, maybe it maybe from a different perspective or at a different time in our life where you're just realizing I need to do something different. But I feel like um, I've always, I've always want to meet someone where they're at. And so talking to them and finding out like what their situation is and what I want to know the why, like, why are you here now? You know, like, why not last week? Why not last year? What, why today? Why, why, what is your motivating reason for being there? And then that helps me to connect with them better to see how it can help them. But um, ultimately it's that, you know, like when you were saying about, um, you know, the feeling of like, I'm not going to be here or anything. I think what sparked my interest in really pursuing the path was knowing like, because a lot of times you feel a little bit out of control, like with what's, you know, like, well, the world's going crazy anyway. So what difference does it matter? I'm just going to go eat my pizza or grab my bagel. Like I can't make any major significant changes in any of that. But when you find that you have some degree of control, like I think, feel like it's very empowering when you change your diet and then you know that's going to not only, you know, it's going to give you more mental clarity, it's going to give you more energy, it's going to give you improve your moods. It's something you have control over. What you're putting in your mouth, what you're putting in your body every day, nobody has control over that except you. And I find that that, like my whole thing is empowering people and I want them to feel like they've got control. Because a lot of times our poor eating habits are coming from a sense of, you know, like that it, we don't matter, that we have no control over anything, that doesn't matter what I do anyway. I might as well just go sit on the couch and have a bag of chips, you know? So changing that, changing the mindset, making someone feel like, no, you do. You ultimately have control over your life and you can make these changes happen. And it's more than just the food, but the food is sort of the foundation. Yeah. I mean, I think if you talk to a lot of addicts, they'll tell you that that's sort of the same. A lot of people that work with addicts say that that's sort of the same idea behind addiction is that many people have kind of just thrown in the towel in a way and they figure, well, if, if, if I can't salvage my life and be productive or, you know, have a purpose, I might as well just indulge and just feel, do the thing I think is going to make me feel good all the time or in the, or in that moment. And so people go full seam into that. Um, I think it's a good segue because I want to talk a bit about where I am right now. I think it'd be helpful for the audience to kind of hear. So, so it's two weeks in right now with working with you and um, I'm going to tell on myself a little here and there too. So that'll, <laughs> that'll kind of things that you don't know yet. Uh, so I've, so I, I, I sent you a nice picture of chicken and asparagus, which is definitely the cool thing is I have been eating a lot of, um, I've been sticking to the plant. This is like one of the first times I could say that I've been doing a real good job at like actually sticking to the plant because you made it pretty easy. I think one of the things that happens very often is people create these meal plans and they'll have these like esoteric ingredients. And it's like, I'm not going to go to stop and shop and find like the root of turmeric from like South India. Like it's not going to great. I'd love to do that in my diet, but like, no, where am I going to find that? No, like just get me the regular stuff I can make. It's easy. Uh, Cause most people sadly, right. Don't prioritize it. So they say, I don't have the time. Right. But in reality, it's like, if you knew what it was really doing for your body and your health, you'd make it the time you'd, you'd make it the priority, but, but people don't cause they are, they're juggling stuff, right? We're juggling things. We're trying to just survive. And most people, for most people, it's family and it's, it's work and it's trying to put put food on the table ironically right but it's probably not the best food if you're not prioritizing your health so i've been doing a good job because you've made it pretty easy uh, i will say sugar is my problem i'm a sugar addict so whenever i've had to kick sugar uh, it's led to like headaches for example um 
it's something that I feel it in my body that like, it's like my body's kind of revolting. Like, no, we need sugar immediately. And, or, you know, we're going to revolt. Um, and so what'll happen is I'll, I'll just binge. I'll, 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 I'll do well for like two or three weeks. And then all of a sudden I'll just like, I'll see one donut and then I'll just go, all right, it's time to go to Dunkin' Donuts and order a box of 50 munchkins or something. Uh, and then it's off to, then, it, then you're in that category of, well, whatever, right? I already did it. Now I just opened the, broke the seal. Might as well just keep going with it. Screwed it all up. It's over. And, and you can go down that rabbit hole too. Um, but one of the things I found that was working for me was I had, it's funny you mentioned hot chocolate. I had this big box of hot chocolate someone bought me. It's sort of a, kind of a joke gift, but like actually it was, it was my girlfriend. She bought it as a gift and uh, I, I, I liked it uh, to the point that I decided well, this is going to be what's going to allow me to wean off sugar because in, in place of having an ice cream sundae with 2,500 calories, I'll have a cup of hot chocolate here and there. Um, so sparse throughout this two weeks, if it's like at night and I really want to go have like a, uh, an ice cream or something or cookies, instead, I'm having a Swiss Miss cup of hot chocolate. I'm not going to lie. I hope that's okay, but that's just what I've been doing. You tell me that. <laughs> what's that? Were you afraid to tell me that? Oh, I was scared. Yeah, I was scared to tell you that for sure. You were? Yeah. Yeah. I well, you're not scared, but like, you know, it's 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 uh no, I wasn't scared. I just it's annoying that I felt like it is it is helpful. Like if I weren't doing that, I'd be concerned that I'd just throw it all out the window because I've made so much other progress otherwise. So that's that's something that I've and I what I like about your approach is that you say to focus on the positives. And so, yeah. whereas in the past I would have been like, oh, well, I had two or three cups of hot chocolate today. It's over. Like I'd bypass the fact that for breakfast, I had a protein shake for lunch. I had chicken with vegetables for dinner. I had salmon with vegetables. I had, you know, almonds in between, but because I had the, and I'd ignore that, but because I had the hot chocolate, I'd say, well, it's, I, I already ruined it. Um, I can't stick to a plan. This just proves it. So I might as well just throw in the towel. So I'm not doing that. And I appreciate that. Appreciate it. it's a testament to, to you. And on that note, I think what would be really helpful is what. So that's that's one tip. If you could give like a couple basic tips to everybody who wants to get going, but they're stuck on the couch, or they're stuck kind of with their hand in the chips, like I was, and they don't know how to stop. Like, what can people do right now in this moment to begin to transform their diet so that they can then gradually continue to improve their health. You pick one healthy habit that you can add into your life like right now. So if you were to sit there, if you're a sugar addict and you, the thought of giving up sugar is going to make you crazy, you know, you're not going to stick with it. That's fine. So add maybe um, add drinking more water into your life. I know you drink a lot of water, but a lot of people don't. Most people are very dehydrated. And just that one simple step can change things in there. It changes your metabolism. It changes your, you know, you're starting to feel more energy. You're starting to feel a little more vibrant. So just looking at your water intake throughout the day, maybe you could swap like at lunch, you're, you're drinking a soft drink instead of a soft drink, you're going to have water instead. And maybe, and you can squeeze a little bit of orange juice, you know, an orange or lemon or lime into it if it makes it you know, taste better to you. So just want focus on one healthy habit, stick with that habit for a couple of weeks until it's routine and then choose another habit that you can add in. So look at it, looking at it as layers. So, um, and the thing with sugar, if you know sugar is your weakness and you're not going to be able to remove it from your diet, well, let's just switch you to some healthier alternatives for sugar that are sweet. They're going to satisfy the sweet craving, but they're also a little more nutrient dense. 
So instead of having the white refined sugar, you choose a higher quality. Maybe you're choosing something that was made with coconut sugar or raw honey. Um, so you can make a couple of things that you have on hand that are healthy, healthier than what you would grab. Like instead of grabbing, you know, chips ahoy and eating a whole, you know, package of them, you have a couple of very, you know, like some, some things that are made with higher quality flowers and higher quality chocolate. And like a one little cookie is going to satisfy you as opposed to eating the whole, you know, you eat the whole sleeve because there's no nutrients in it. And you can just sit there mindlessly and put one cookie after another in your mouth and you never really get full until you're like, wow, the box is empty. Whereas if you had a cookie that Been was there. made with dense flowers, yeah, we all have them. Like with more nutrient dense flowers, instead of the white refined flour, it's made with maybe almond flour and coconut flour and some better quality chocolate and better quality sweeteners. You have one cookie, maybe two, and you're like, you're full because there were nutrients in it and it was more dense. So little tricks like that. If you know that's your hot part, like, well, let's see what we can swap. That's a little healthier because if you make it too much about deprivation, all you're doing is setting yourself up for failure. And we want to set you up for success. So we want to do attainable goals. You know, what's that, that acronym, SMART goals. Um, you know, I'm not going to remember what it is off the top of my head, but you know, like it needs to be attainable. It needs to be sustainable. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause when I think about why people approach it like that, like why are people feeling like it's deprivation? I do think it's because the way you're describing it with replacing one habit, doing that for a while, then going to doing it gradually, then going to a second habit, people in my experience and myself included will feel like there's a certain level of desperation when you realize when the when the light bulb goes on. Oh, I need to change things, and it's like that desperation makes you want to do it today, right now, as, as soon as possible. And if you can't do that, the idea of doing it gradually probably can turn some people off. Even though that's the proven route to get you. I mean, I think science has shown in many many all sorts of diets have been studied over the years, and obviously the more gradual approaches tend to be the ones that are more sustainable. And I think playing with that psychology or working with that psychology with somebody who's coming to you, who's saying, well, I know that I'm uh, unhealthy. I know that my diet needs to change. I want to do it right now. You're talking about steps that are going to take a little while or like replacing this little thing or that thing. I mean, do you see me? Like I'm 20% overweight. I'm this, I'm that, you know, I need this change now. Um, I'd imagine that that's, I don't know if that's, if it's presented to you that way, very overtly like that. Definitely. People get, you know, they have a goal and they want to, they want to reach it, but you have to also sort of make it realistic for them and say like, you know, like how long did it take you to get to this, this point in your life? It didn't yeah. happen overnight. You know, this mm -hmm. is years and years of you getting to this state. So it's not, you can't expect to change overnight. I mean, some people, some personalities will just flip it on and they'll just go and never look back. That's very rare. I mean, you know, you do have those people who are very, you know, they, they make their mind up, they change everything. They, you know, there's plenty of those stories out there. Unfortunately, there is plenty of those stories, right? Unfortunately, there's probably too many of those stories because it skews in the direction of people thinking that's a common thing when in reality, it's not, it's, common. Yeah. It's not relatable because most people have tried. How many times have you tried to do something like a, whatever, a goal that you had New Year's, you know, New Year's resolution. And then two weeks later, you're back to doing your old, your old ways. That's why I just like to focus on the longer term approach and adding in healthier habits, because eventually you keep layering on those healthy habits. And you look back at your life six months ago and you realize your life was completely different. 
but it's because you you've adapted a habit into your lifestyle. It's become second nature. What does it take? They say it takes 30 days for something to become a habit, right? So if you there's someone who sleeps too late and you want to get up earlier, you, if you did that 30 days in a row, all of a sudden you're not even thinking about it anymore. You're just doing it. Same thing with the water intake. All of a sudden you're just like, that's easy. Um, whereas a year ago, you know, that might've been really hard for you. Maybe you were just drinking coffee and soft drinks all day. Now you wouldn't think of doing that. So it is just more, it's, it's more sustainable. Yeah. I'd imagine that. So that sounds like part of your job is setting, setting the right expectations, right? Expectations. And, and also I think when people realize the why, the why behind, why are you reaching for that sugar? Why are you doing that? Cause a lot of it is just, sometimes it's just habit. But a lot of times it's more of an emotional attachment to something. And sometimes it's just, it's actual just addiction because food is addictive, just like alcohol is addictive that, you know, the processed foods are, they, they are addictive. So when stopping it, you kind of go through a little bit of withdrawal, but if you're aware of that and you're anticipating it, it's easier to get through, you know, so certain things, you know, if you want to go cold Turkey on it, just, you have to be aware, you're going to have some negative um, health, you know, negative reactions to it for a few days, but that will go away. Whereas, you know, certain items, like when you're getting someone says you had a caffeine junkie and you want to get them off coffee, if they did it overnight, they're going to feel like crap with the headaches and everything. But if you just did it gradually, you won't feel those negative detox symptoms as strongly. So you can, you know, you can choose your pace, but if you went cold, turkey on no sugar, you probably will get headaches and get shaky and get irritable as that the effects of it are leaving your body. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can attest to that. It's happened. It's been happening for me the last two weeks. And with coffee, I've done both. I've tried cold turkey and I've done gradual and cold turkey for me is, is not possible. Uh, the headaches that I get from that are on another level, like severe, they last days and they're severe. I can't work. I can't do anything. So I wouldn't um, recommend doing that. No, yeah, I actually, there's this cool, I don't know, I, I found this like program or this little, basically it's just a box that you buy. I don't know where I got it, but of 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 caffeine pills essentially. And they they diminish over time, over 30 days, I think it is. And so you're taking the amount that would be one cup, one cup of coffee, which is what I would typically have in a day. And then you do that and you kind of just keep whittling down. And so over 30 days, it gets you to a point where you don't feel it anymore and you now are caffeine free. Um, and that works. So I would never try the cold turkey thing ever again. Really, I, cold turkey doesn't work for me for anything. Just for the most part, I've, I've, I've got to be correct. And so, I also have to be mentally prepared for, if I know I'm going to make a change, I have to, I have to mentally prepare myself first and have the mindset that is going to be supportive of the change. I think that's a key takeaway from what we've, so the tips that we just talked about, and I kind of want to rehash them here because just so people really, just that are really clear. First step really is setting the right expectations, right? So first step is, not coming into a diet or a nutrition change thinking I've got to look like the girl in people magazine does like in 30 days. Cause I have a wedding in 45 days. And meanwhile, you're 45, 50 pounds overweight. Like that's just not realistic. And it took you 30, 40 years to get to that point. Let's just say that's, it's not realistic. So setting a, you're saying setting a realistic goal is, is step one. Realistic and attainable. Yeah. Yeah. An attainable goal so that it's sustainable. Step two, and and that's that's I think that is going to take time for some people, like to have that shift and not want that desire. Like you've got to really appreciate, oh, this is something I've got to work hard at. It's going to take time to do that. I've got to change my psychological approach and say, I know I'm in for a long haul here. I'm in for a real, 
uh, long haul. And it doesn't have to be a bad thing, but it's it's commitment, right? It's consistency. Yeah, commitment, consistency, and understanding your why behind you're doing it. Reminding someone, what is your why? Because it could be, I want to see, I had this one gentleman, he was having a baby later in life. And his why was, I want to be there when that son of mine goes to college. You know, like, and so that sparked his total change in his lifestyle. So everybody has a different why, but just sort of reminding someone of, you know, what is your why? Why are you here? Yeah. That, 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 yeah. And that why will keep you committed to that goal that requires commitment. So then, and then the, the application of it, the execution component of it is starting with that first habit and then, then observing that habit, working with that habit, sticking with that habit, remembering your why, sticking with that habit, and then adding in, okay, I've got a new habit now. Now, what else can we focus on? Um, I love these steps. I love the idea that, because they're really, you can execute on these. They're really sequential and they don't have to be um, esoteric. It's like really, oh, like I'm going to stop that that part of sugar that I'm eating. I'm just going to cut that out. I'm going to replace it with this. That's one step. And you can just, you can use practical applications of it, you know, until you get to a point where your diet is in a good place. Um, and like you said, it's not something that you're going to notice a humongous shift in, in the moment to the point that you feel deprived. It'll it'll get you to a place where you've now your new norm is going to be having these healthier habits in your life. And you're not going to want to reset if you've messed up. You know, okay, I slipped. You're not going to want to reset. You're going to say, well, I, I, you know, I have these habits in place now. I might have slipped, but I know that consistently I can do this on a consistent basis and it is sustainable. I just love um, packaging those steps into really actionable kind of execution points. You know, I feel like that's the hard part um, that I hear about a lot. It's like, well, where do I start? You know, I have the knowledge about meal, but where do I start? Right? Yeah. Where do I start? Um, that's why, and that and that is what prevents a lot of people from starting because they just don't know where to start. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wish more. You know, one thing, as you start to feel better, you get more motivated to stick with this because all of a sudden you're feeling good. You don't want to go back to that habit that you had that was making you feel like curling up on the couch, you know, under a blanket all day. You're like, wait, I have a lot of energy today. Like I want to keep up that routine that I'm doing. I want to keep up my morning workout because it gives me, it sets the tone for the day. So as you start to see the effects, that's how you start to become more motivated to take on more, to take on more change. I'd imagine you two have to plan for triggers, right? So like there'll be things like, let's just say emotional triggers, which we just we discussed how it's all, how a lot of this is rooted in emotion. And so if something really cataclysmic is going to happen in your life, death of a loved one or, you know, something traumatic or whatever, the impulse might be to find comfort, go back to what you know and go back to food understanding that that is a real possibility and can throw you off the rails and just planning for that, preparing for that, being okay with the fact that that might happen in your life and finding a way back to the healthy habits that you've cultivated over time. I'll say like being prepared that it will happen in your life. Yeah. Like as it does, it happens to every single one of us. Like I've been there. I've, you know, like it, and it doesn't mean you can't get back on track. It's okay. It's okay. Forgive yourself, acknowledge, like you need that at that time, whatever. Everybody gets off track. Nobody is perfect. And it's not about perfection. No, it's not. And, and uh, as we're wrapping up here, I wanted to kind of just touch base on, so I'm seeing you via zoom for our sessions and, and uh, you do a lot of in-person work as well. Um, what kind of offerings do you have personally for people that, that want to, you know, find out where you are and, and maybe try to use you as a service? Um, I know you have your website, which is 
carolgalanti.com, which we're going to have in the show notes. So people will be able to follow that link and see all the offerings that you have. Do you want to discuss a little bit about uh, what it is that you enjoy providing and sort of what people can, uh, you know, what kind of services they can get from you? Mm-hmm. Well, I like to I have a complimentary consultation with anybody who wants help with their lifestyle. So it depends on who I'm working with. Some people I just do, you know, coaching on Zoom like this, or some people I'll cook for, some people I do cooking classes. So it depends on what the need is of the individual. But anyone who is interested in improving their lifestyle, whether it's, you know, from diet, um, overall lifestyle changes. I also teach yoga. So it it starts with just a complimentary consultation, hopping on the phone for 15, 20 minutes or so with someone and finding out where they're at and how I can help. Great. And anything else you'd like to uh, plug? Anything in you know personal life, professional life you'd like to plug or anything else you'd like to say before we sign off? Um, I think that's, I, no, I think that about covers it. Awesome. Thanks so much, Carol. Yeah, it was great to have this conversation with you. I'm glad uh, I was able to expose myself in a public setting like this. That's always a f- that's fun thing to do. And you've been awesome to work with uh, these two weeks. So I'm looking forward to continuing to work with you. And hopefully you can continue to crack the whip on me and make sure that I'm not uh, slacking where I don't need to be slacking. But um, yeah, I think people are really going to benefit from this chat. So I really do appreciate it. And I look forward to continuing to work with you. Thanks, Gary. Me too. Okay, take care. Bye.